0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Christmas music, I love it. I love the playlist. How many are Spotify users? Everybody else? There's the door, get out, all right. You're not really a music listener if you don't listen to it on Spotify, okay? And if you listen to Apple Music, I'm sorry, you're super trendy, and you don't deserve to listen to music. <laughs> no. uh, that was like way after the fact. Uh, way, uh, Apple Apple waits like a good six years after the innovation happens, and then they make the most money on it. I don't understand it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so anyway, uh, Bitter, yes. Ask me what kind of phone I have. and, and Nope, it's an iPhone. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Christmas music. I just, I love it. Uh, how many have like a mix of like Christmas carols and then the newer stuff, the, the pop Christmas music? How many just have Christmas carols? How many just have the pop? Are you guys just not going to talk about your playlist today? This is going to be a long sermon. I mean, a really long sermon if you're not going to talk about it. I mean, we need a little bit more interaction than this. I'm going to go back to my cup of coffee, and if you haven't raised your hand in the last 30 seconds, get out, okay? Okay. Mm. Amen. So just to help the conversation move along, inside the program, uh, it, once again, if you're on Church Center, the, the whole message, for the most part, and the questions are in the program, so check it out. Uh, but I, I gave you top 10, the Billboard's top 10 list of Christmas songs to add to your playlist and uh, get in there. So the 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 10th one, I love it, counting down from 10, is Donny Hathaway, This Christmas. Come on, can I get a witness? How many love that song? I mean, <laughs> Yeah. I honestly, I think I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to learn this one and we're going to do it as a worship band next year. Listen, look for it. During Advent next year, we're doing this Christmas. Donnie Hathaway. It's going to be good. I love that song. Uh, so yeah, look for it. Bruce Springsteen, number nine, Santa Claus is coming to town. Nobody likes Bruce Springsteen, right? I mean, Josh does. Good for you. You're by yourself. All right. There's the door. Get out. There's the door. (laughs) Number eight, Run DMC, Christmas and Hollis. How many love that song? I mean, I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) Greatest music video of all time. Love it. Uh, That's a stretch, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, Feliz Navidad the 1970 version number seven rocking around the Christmas tree. I think that's Ross's favorite Brenda Lee from 58 is number six creeping up at five Bing Crosby white Christmas who wants to do uh, Christmas karaoke right now. I got the track. I put it in there. Who's up? Mike's up. Come on. Man, I wish I would have put it in there. (laughs) That would have been good. Number five white Christmas number four uh, last Christmas Wham! I gave you my heart the very next day if you know the rest of it if you don't know the rest of it get out there's the door. Uh, number three, Nat King Cole, everybody. I'm gonna be the. My goal today is to be the last one standing here, and then I'm gonna talk to the Lord about. It. No, just kidding. Nat King Cole, the the Christmas song. Love that. Uh, Christmas, baby, please come home. Number two. Number one. Now, uh, let's see the first line. If you can do it, Bill. And I, we're having some tech issues, but put the first line of the song up. The first one to say what number one is, uh, you get to leave first today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Put it up there. I don't want a lot for Christmas. Number one, all I want for Christmas is you. That's all a pastor wants is his people to show up to church and come and worship. So what's funny about this, right? I was doing a little research for the Christmas playlist message and <laughs> Maybe this is, I, look, am I, if I offend you today, I'm really not sorry. <laughs> if you're already offended, hurry, get out. <laughs> I'm I'm joking. If you're watching online and this is the first time you've ever logged on, I'm literally joking. I'm kidding. Um, I deal with my pain in my life through humor. Can you tell? So anyway, um, I was watching this video of, All I Want for Christmas is You, the old school video, the first one that came out in 94 with Mariah Carey. And I was watching with my wife present. She was in the room. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? (laughs) Laugh, folks. Chill. It's okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, she's, she's sitting on Santa's lap, right? And so All I Want for Christmas is You. If you read the Wikipedia thing of it, Santa is her husband at the time. And so, you know, she, it's this beautiful thing. All I want for Christmas is you. And Santa's the depiction and, and she's sitting on Santa's lap. There's a remake of the video, right? A newer one. How many have seen the newer one? where's Santa at? You know what I'm saying? All I want for Christmas is you. She divorced him. (laughs) I thought it was great. I was like, man, the irony of the number one billboard most popular song in our culture is all I want for Christmas is the person that I don't want anymore. I divorced him. He's gone. (laughs) I say this is the greatest thing. (sighs) Anyway, I got a good laugh about it this week. I figured you would as well. So that is the most popular That is the most popular Christmas song uh, per billboard. I mean, they don't even know what good music is, though. So whatever, it is what it is. Um, Most of the stuff I like doesn't ever make it to a billboard. You know what I mean? They don't know the good stuff, do they do? No, it's okay. If you want to know good music, go talk to Terry. He'll tell you. He'll hook you up. You know what I mean? You got your mic on today? I love that thing. No? So Christmas music, Christmas playlists. You know, there there was a time in my life where I was really... You know, I I was structured and, you know, I grew up in a very uh, strict religious home. We could only listen to a certain type of music if there was emphasis on the two and the four beat in the measure. We couldn't listen to it. You know what I mean? I mean, it was like, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, the thing that gets you moving that was against the rules. Uh, So I grew up with a very strict uh, emphasis had to be on the one, two, three, one, two, three. Anyway, Uh, so it was pretty strict. (laughs) So I didn't have a lot of, of variety in my music growing up. But I remember that like my sister, she would come back from like Bible college and she would have these CDs that she hid. You know what I mean? And I remember as a little kid, how many had stereos in their room and the cassette tapes? And then, like, I don't why was this even a thing? Humor me, y'all. I'm just walking down memory lane a little bit. Why was this even a thing? They just seemed to get bigger every year. <laughs> the one I liked was, like, the small Panasonic that, you know, I could actually put on my shoulder. And then somehow they traded the handle for, like, a 10-CD disc changer. You know what I mean? And that thing lit up and spun, and it was just crazy. But I remember trying to raid my sister's, like, music collection that was, like, she wasn't allowed to have, but she was too old. Uh, and if you're watching this, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I am really trying to embarrass you. Um, but um, anyway, she, she had this one. It was like 98 Degrees Christmas. And I remember hearing that album for the first time. And I still think it's like, that is a banging album. You know what I'm saying? How many like that album? How many like it? Anybody? Right there? I got three. Okay, three of you. I love that album. Look it up now. I've been waiting to give this gift. Nick Lachey pouring his heart out, right? You got to go back and watch those videos. It's hilarious. Anyway, music is, it's incredible. What a gift me. And I, and I understand not everybody is musical. And I know not everybody, you know, but whether or not you're a music person, it transcends who we are. It transcends culture. It transcends ethnicity. It just, it's something internal that comes out. You could probably go back to points in your life, right, that were high or low, and you could mark them by albums, you know what I mean? Like, you can go back. If you hear a song and you're like, oh my goodness, that song, it immediately takes you to that place in time, right? Uh, I did lose my dog last week. And th- look, thank y'all so much for being a loving church. All of you just reaching out and being kind. And if you didn't, there's the door. Get out. <laughs> <Just kidding. sighs> but I did lose my dog way too soon. And so, you know, all week I've been listening to country music all week. <laughs> Lost my dog. All week, been hammering them country playlists. Boy, Tyler Chillers, let's go. man. I, it's surprising I didn't show up in cowboy boots today. You know what I'm saying? I almost rolled in here with a big old 20-ounce cowboy hat. It would have been awesome. But just been bathing myself in country all week, thinking about poor Ray Ray. I had a conversation with the Lord. I'm like, if she's not up there, we're going to have problems. I hope you figured this thing out. <clears throat> every time we go for a trip as a family, we uh, we have a road trip song. Does anybody have a road trip song? There's the door. You already know. <laughs> <clears throat> Nobody has a road trip song, or are you just not being honest? All right, there's one. There we go. Okay. Every time we get in the car, uh, what's your road trip song? Hey, Drake, let's go. What's y'all's? Holiday Road. Holiday road love it. Ours is Letter to Me by Brad Paisley. I have no idea why, why that's what it is. But, <laughs> super random, but we, uh, we get in the car to take a trip. And the kid, most of the time, we're going to Tennessee, so it's like getting in touch with the roots a little bit. But the kids are like, put on the road trip song. Music marks time periods in our lives. It marks events. And you know what? Scripturally, it's the same thing. And I, I kind of went on this little journey this week, and I discovered a song, two of them, in the Bible, that I had never really talked about before. I hadn't really thought or mused on them. So my ignorance, and if you have, like, I'm sure you're blessed by it, but I found a few songs that need to be on your Christmas list. Um, and one, this will, this will be on my list for, for the rest of my days. But uh, let's talk about music a little bit more. The Bible presents the most complete record. I think this is so interesting. The Bible presents the most complete record of musical practices of any ancient civilization. Sindri writes, the the musical references of the Bible are almost the first records in the history of mankind that afford a comprehensive insight into a musical culture of a people of high antiquity. Isn't that amazing? Like, look, the Bible is the answer for so many things, including the most comprehensive historical view of, of a culture's music. That's amazing. You know, there's so many evidences to the Lord giving incredible gifts through the scriptures uh, that, that we honestly, we can't even contain them all. We can't even, we don't even know. You know what I mean? It's like, it's incredible. Uh, and so that I thought was interesting. Psalm 98 verse four, it says this, let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. And <laughs> some of you in here have known my musical taste through the years and have known me back when I was like against everything because I had to be. Uh, and, and so it's neat to be in a place where, uh, I feel freedom in experiencing all kinds of music and experiencing the Lord in all of those areas. And knowing that, I think a lot of people go overboard, you know what I mean? They get scared uh, of the culture instead of, you know, they're, they're worried the culture is going to influence them instead of them living and, and, and projecting into the culture, which is what the church is supposed to do. You know, we should not live in fear of the culture, we should live in fear of God, and and then project how God wants us to live into the culture, right? Does everybody, you see that? We're supposed to influence them. Let your light so what? Shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is what? In you, that that which is in comes out. And so it's it's unique, you know, I'm not really fearful or scared about my musical taste, uh, whereas At one point, if I shared a Casting Crown song, you know, that's like, oh my goodness, the devil, you know. Uh, So things have changed through the years. So it's neat to look at these scriptures and, and just experience freedom, looking at the Father telling us, the psalmist, you know, literally sovereignly saying, look, you are designed. You are created in God's image. And part of that, being God's image, is understanding Musical ability and taste that comes from within. How many of you are tone deaf? I just want to apologize. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You poor things. Uh, Look, everybody is designed to make a joyful noise. Even if other people don't like what's coming out, you're designed to let it come out either way. You're designed to praise the Lord. I love that verse. Be jubilant, shout for joy, sing. So here's the song. I'm going to give it away, right? The song that's here in scripture, uh, the Magnificent the Magnificent. It's the Song of Mary. The Song of Mary found in Luke 1, 46 through 55. Really a part of the Christmas story, but before the Christmas story. So this poem is in the style of the Old Testament Psalms and is strongly reminiscent of the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And we're going to make that connection today. At an early date, it found a place in Christian worship. It was chanted in the Vesper service of the Roman Catholic Church, And it was carried over into the Lutheran and Anglican usage. From the time of the Renaissance, countless musical settings have been written for this beautiful beautiful, uh, canticle, both in Latin and in various Western languages. So uh, a pretty amazing song that, once again, I've just really overlooked. So let's go on this journey together. Let's make the connection for our Christmas list, maybe to make an addition to your your, uh, repertoire here. Uh, let's go on this journey and see what the scriptures have to say about this. Honestly, I can't, I can't tell you what a blessing this message was to me this week, uh, how the Lord has used this in my own heart uh, to really shape this season that I'm going through uh, into something that gives him glory and gives him praise. Luke chapter one, verse number three, it'll be on the screen. Uh, thank you so much for, for filling in back there and making it happen when my stuff is broke. Um, but either in your Bibles or on the screen, let's, let's uh, start here. Luke chapter one, verse number three, it says, So it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus. So this is Luke, the author of the book of Luke. Uh, I believe he wrote a two-volume series. Luke, who, who knows what the second book he wrote was? The book of Acts. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Uh, our resident oracle of all things, Lord. <laughs> Amen. <And> you're amazing. <laughs> if you have a question, ask Miss Cindy. She'll tell you. Um, so we, we feel that the, the Lord used Luke, to pen Luke and Acts, as a two volume series, and he addresses, oh, excellent Theophilus. Uh, and so what I think is interesting, and I want to point this out, he has investigated, carefully investigated everything that we're reading. So this sequence in Luke is happening in such a way that he thinks it's vitally important as it pertains to the story. And, and this series has been very unique, right? You know, I've just been hitting random things. Um, but like, let's talk about this. In the story, we automatically go to the manger scene. We automatically go in the first advent to where Jesus is there and present he's being born and they're heavenly hosts and their shepherds, you know, maybe Paschal shepherds. I kind of alluded to that a little bit. You know, they, they understood what was happening, the significance of it. But we talk about that and Mary, even to the, you know, to the tune of, uh, you know, we don't need to focus too much on Mary. It's about Jesus. And we say that because we are insecure of being a part of, you know, being like some kind of Roman Catholic or whatever. I don't really care anymore, okay? (laughs) I just want to be about Jesus and about the Bible and, you know, whatever the Lord has for us. You understand what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, so in fear, we highlight certain parts of the story and ignore others. And I thought it was so interesting, like thinking about Luke's uh, writing here. He's like, look, I put this here for a reason. And he puts it saying that it's Mary's song, Mary's praise, um, and don't let the, the English, don't you know, don't get lost. It is literally formulated from a psalms script, looks just like a, a, a Jew in ancient Near East would have been like, oh yeah, that's a psalm. That's a song. We're gonna sing that. We're gonna chant that. This is gonna be in the form of a song as they knew it and as they understood music. And so he says and attributes it to Mary, even though some don't attribute it to Mary. But I, I put this in here to say, hey, I'm qualifying the fact that I think it was Mary's song, and I think there's a reason why, and we're going to see that. So Luke 1, verse 36, as we keep marching on here, verse 36 through 38, and consider your relative Elizabeth, even she, man, this is so, I'm already getting chills. You know, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? When you're already like, woo, like the Lord is in it. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her what? Mm-hmm. And this is the sixth month for her who was called what? For nothing will be impossible with who? Uh See, I am the Lord's servant, said who? May it happen to, as you have said, then the angel what? Mm -hmm. So how many know the angel came to Mary first? and said, this is what's going to happen. Man, I want, I want to help you with something. I've missed this in the past, but the Lord, just, the Lord didn't just expect Mary to take what was next for her and accept it and believe that Jesus was going to be born. Mary, I, I'm here as an angel Gabriel, and I'm telling you, you will be great with child, and you will birth the Messiah, and he will change the world. Okay, thank you, angel. And she goes on about her business and that's it until Jesus was born. That's kind of how I've really like been thinking about the story, but that's not what Luke says. What Luke says is that the angel says to her, consider your relative who? Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. If you continue to read the story, what happens is as soon as Mary is done with the angel, guess where she goes? She goes to Elizabeth's house. Guess where she hangs out until Elizabeth's baby is born? She hangs out there. When you study Elizabeth, her, her and her husband, Zechariah, who was a prophet, the Bible says that the same angel of the Lord, Gabriel, visited them and said to them, look, um, you're gonna have a baby. And here's what I wanna tell you. Elizabeth and Zechariah were old. It's very reminiscent. It's very uh, reenacting of an Old Testament story with Abraham and his wife, who? Where Sarah's like, ha-ha, that's not going to happen. And then the Lord's like, don't laugh. And in this story, the prophet Zechariah says, uh, Lord, don't you know we're old? And he says, you'll be mute until your baby is born. It's literally like a reenactment. And the point that I'm telling you is that the Holy Spirit, he he gives a miracle. He gives a baby to Elizabeth before he ever gave the baby to who? Mary. And what, what I want you to understand today is before Mary was in a place to live and act in her miracle for the world, God gave her a miracle. Before God will bring you to that place that you actually need to perform what God has prepared you to perform, what you will understand is that all along the way, God has been bringing you to this moment and he will prepare a miracle, guess what? Just for you. But unfortunately, we miss the miracles in our life and I'm convinced this morning that when we miss the miracles in our lives, we miss the miracles that God wanted to do through us for other people. Yeah, the Christmas story, it's incredible. We talk about what what Mary did for the world, but but don't you understand that as soon as Mary heard the news of what God was going to do, God didn't say, now take that and do what you're supposed to do. God said, let me help you. Your relative named Elizabeth, the one who's really old, guess what? She's pregnant too. You see, I've heard so many stories where people talk about Mary and how horrible it must have been. She was uh, engaged. She wasn't married and she was possibly going to endure being put out or they could have stoned her for adultery. How scary that must have been. Then we're not really understanding the story. It wasn't her sitting in fear about what God was going to do. It was her living in the miracle that God gave her to assure her that what God was leading her into was exactly what God wanted to do in her life. God does not bring you to a place to perform something without already proving to you that he absolutely will be faithful to you to the end. Mm. I don't know if you know that's good. If you don't think it's good, there's the door right there. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Look, sometimes we got to stop and back up a little bit and go, why was Mary okay with this whole thing? Here's why Mary was okay with it. Because God just did a miracle right in front of her. Elizabeth, old, not at childbearing years, became pregnant. Do you know it was 80 miles from where Mary was at to where her relative Elizabeth was living? Three days if she was with a caravan, but if she chose to leave and go on the journey herself, which would have been dangerous, it's split 50-50 in the commentary. Like some people think that, some people, you know. Ultimately, it's probably a five-day journey, Jeremy. She took a five-day journey, watch this, immediately. She left. She was like, I just got a vision from the Lord. Here's the thing. The Lord told her that because he knew the next step for her to take is to go spend time with Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Go be with that person and you're gonna need to receive the strength that you need to get through what you're about to go through. Once again, we miss the cues, don't we? We miss the cues. She immediately, it wasn't about sitting there accepting what God was gonna do. It was, I need to go see if what God is saying is true. And she goes to Elizabeth's house. As soon as she shows up, watch this. John the Baptist was the baby in Elizabeth's belly. John the Baptist leaps in his womb, and Elizabeth says, you too? It's going to be you, my relative. I, 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 this is a miracle. It's it's my baby is going to be born to point the way to the Messiah. And what we have to understand in ancient near, I left my outline. I have no idea where I'm at, just so you know. I don't know if you want to try to follow me, but here, here's, here's what I want you to understand. This This is a reenactment in and of itself. This is how the Lord works. God would not lead Elizabeth and Mary to do something that he hadn't already done. You see, in 1 Samuel, there's a story about a, a lady named Hannah. And the Bible says that a lady named Hannah was at the temple, and the priest was looking at her, and he thought she was literally intoxicated because of how beside herself she was. And, you know, come to find out, the story is as such that she could not have a baby. She was barren. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed and she said, Lord, if you'll give me a baby, I'll give my baby back to you. Come to find out her baby, Hannah's baby would be named Samuel. Samuel would take a Nazarite vow. Who else took a Nazarite vow? John the Baptist. One of three in the text. Samuel, it doesn't say it in your King James or your CSB. It just says that, There's a beginning part, a little snippet. Why not? Let's find the scripture. Um, 1 Samuel 1.11. It says at the last last part of it that his hair will never be wet. That's the clue. If you go to the Septuagint, the Old Testament that they would be reading, there's actually more. It says that he would not drink from the vine. He literally took a Nazarite vow. And here's what I want to help you with, church. (laughs) Samuel, remember Israel took a king, Saul, who was a Benjamite. Everybody knew he shouldn't have been king. Kings come from the line of Judah. I'm getting excited. This is more than just Isaiah 11, where there's a shoot that comes from the stump of Jesse, who would be King David. You see, he was of the house. Jesus was of the house and lineage of who? Of David. He would be born in Bethlehem to seat on the throne of David. You see, the Roman Empire thought they were in charge, but they weren't. There was the anointed one, and we know from last week that Mashiach anointed, God has been anointing people all through scripture. And who was Samuel born, taking a Nazarite vow to anoint king, to prepare the way? David. Samuel goes to David, Jesse rather, after turning at his oldest and most talented son, and he ends all the way up to the small one that's left in a field, watching sheep. A shepherd. Do you understand that the nativity story is a reenactment of the Old Testament? John the Baptist is Samuel. When Elizabeth says, I'm pregnant and my boy is gonna prepare the way and he's gonna take a vow, what is she doing? She's saying, I am fulfilling a promise that God fulfilled back then to bring King David to make us a nation. Yeah, there's been 400 years of silence. Yeah, we thought we were abandoned. Yeah, we've walked but I'm here to tell you that God has been faithful. He didn't ask Elizabeth to do something that Hannah hadn't already done. When are we gonna wise up and learn, church, that we're not alone? The enemy convinces you that, yeah, you're something special to the point that you're all by yourself. He whispers in your ear that you're really good and you believe it. He gets you thinking and gets you so full of pride that you isolate yourself from the goodness of God. And we forget that everything that we're doing, somebody else has already gone before us and done. Oh my goodness gracious. Look, the story had already been written. It's a complete reenactment. John the Baptist is Samuel. King David, who was the Moshiach, the anointed one to be king, is who in our story today? Come on now. It's Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one, the one to sit on the throne of David, watch this, forever. When Elizabeth was called upon by the angel of the Lord to do the work, she already knew the what? She already knew the story. Instead of being Hannah at the altar wondering if the priest would let her stay, her priest was her husband. Instead of Eli being the person to say, look, woman, you're fine, just pray. And and then ultimately says, the Lord grant you your wish. And then the Lord grants her. But in our story, the husband is the one who is rebuked. (laughs) It's, It's amazing. It's so amazing. Both of their songs, if you read Hannah's song, so she has a son. She ultimately gives her son back, Samuel, and he goes on to do incredible things. She has a song that she writes to the Lord. And then guess what? Mary, when she experiences this and goes to her relative Elizabeth and she experiences that this is actually happening, it's me. This has been prophesied and the Lord is gonna use me. She writes a song to the Lord, a perfect Christmas playlist song. One other tidbit before I jump into that. And I'm gonna end early today, give you a few extra minutes. Maybe not. (laughs) If you don't believe it, there's the door. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But we're having fun. We're having fun. Hannah's song is specific to the fact that the Lord gave her conception. Her prayer is specific that she wants the Lord to allow her to conceive and she knew that she was barren. The arch enemy of the children of Israel were the Canaanites. Remember, Twelve Men went to spy on? Come on now. Remember the song that we sang in Sunday school? Twelve men went to spawn. Canaan and were bad and two were good. Everybody sing that? Am I the only one? Anybody sing that song in Sunday school? Get your hand up. Come on now. Let's go. Hands up. I play in my song. Playlist. Is it on it? No. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Miley. She made her way into my message. <laughs> 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 oh, well, we're having fun. Okay. Um, The archenemy, the Canaanites. You know who the god of the Canaanites was? Bael. Baal. Or as we Westerners say, Baal. Many kings of Israel, queens, Jezebel, went after worshiping the gods of the Canaanites, Baal. Baal, this, (laughs) this is crazy, right? It's all connected. Once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. The cry in the church of the New Testament, the new covenant, Paul is for Uh, to flee fornication, flee sexual promiscuity. Why? Because the arch enemy is the God of fertility. Baal is the God of, the Canaanite God of fertility, which means orgies, which means uh, strange, crazy things. And they believed that they did all of them because Baal would grant them conception. He would grant them children, which in their culture was granting them legacy, inheritance, do you understand? Children is wealth. Without the family, you have nothing. If you're barren, you're destitute, you're homeless, you're a widow. Having lots of children is having lots of what in our day and age? Money. God of fertility, Baal. The arch enemy. Drive out the Canaanites from the land. We will inherit the land. That is our promised land. And when everyone in the culture was bowing to Baal because they felt like Baal could offer them something, here's what Hannah didn't do. She didn't bow to Baal. She prayed and said, Lord, I will not do anything that this culture tells me to do to have a baby. I'm not going out, watch this. I'm not going outside of your social constructs to get what my heart's desire. My heart's desire is for you, Yahweh, and you alone. Yahweh, if you want to give me a child, I will wait. And, and when, I, when and if I have a child, understand that the song I write, Hannah's song, will be to Yahweh, the one God of Israel. No one will be able to mistake the fact that I had a baby and any other place that it came. It didn't come from Baal. It didn't come from the God of the Canaanites. It came from my God, and that's Yahweh. And what happened? She got pregnant. And she said, I declare that basically my baby. Go back and read it. I declare the fact that my fertility was granted from God, Ba'el, the God of infertility. Hmm. Do you understand, God of fertility? Do you understand that God brought every miracle about from the beginning all the way to Jesus through barrenness? Why is that? Why is the narrative of scripture that the Lord uses women that can't have children? Because in their time period, in the ancient Near East, it was Baal against Yahweh. And the whole narrative, God is saying, I will use barrenness to prove that I'm actually the supreme being and not Baal. That's why the virgin shall conceive. That's why Elizabeth, the forerunner to Jesus coming, she's gonna conceive from her what? From her barrenness. Y'all, this story is so big. There is so much to this story. The Lord is proving that he is the supreme being, Lord over all from the very beginning. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Here's what I got for you today. Let's read Mary's song. You ready for it? I've built it up enough. Luke one forty-six through 55, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This is a song. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Is this thing, it's working, okay. Sorry, my ears are still a little clogged. (laughs) Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one, mighty warrior motif, Yahweh, my God triumphs over what? All other gods. He has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the what? The proud. Because of the thoughts of their hearts, he has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the what? Church, come on now. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world your life will either fit the narrative of the gods of this world or it will fit the narrative of Yahweh. Your discontentment will either play in to the enemy or your contentment will allow you to be a blessing to the nations through Yahweh. You cannot serve both mass. You you gotta start seeing the the big picture here. He's done mighty deeds. He's toppled the mighty. He has sat, look at this, this line of her song is killer. He satisfied, it's killer, but it's not because he feeds them. See what I did there? <laughs> if you don't get it, get out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever. Listen, this is Mary's song, and she sang, This is a reenactment from where? Abraham and all of his what? just as he spoke to our ancestors. Listen, church, the surrounding events of Jesus's birth are revealed through prophetic encounters that are deeply woven into the pain and suffering that the children of God have faced. We have to see that things are bigger than us. But we we don't serve a God that says, you endure pain and suffering and you like it because I'm your God. No, he carefully crafts our very own miracle for us letting us know that we're loved and we're seen and we're cherished. Yes, we are a part of God's sovereign plan, but he does it with us in mind. Isn't that incredible? He's not an ivory tower God. The ivory tower gods don't even understand what being a good God looks like, Psalm 82. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? He loves you and he cares for you. You're not alone. Three things that I see that Hannah's song and Mary's song, look, you gotta get this song on your playlist. You know what I mean? You heard, get the word up in you. If you don't like it, get out. <laughs> just kidding. Three things. I want you to hear this before you leave. Three things that I see that Hannah's song and Mary's song have in common. Number one, read it with me. Number one. Sorry. I just threw them in the loop. Threw, threw a loop. Number one, <clears throat> the Lord is always. You got it, Bill? Can you see it? <laughs> Bill fell asleep. Don't get out. I need you. <laughs> The Lord is always faithful. He's looking for it. Number one, Hannah's song, Mary's song. These are the two things that they have in common. The Lord is always faithful. Say it with me, church. The Lord is always faithful. One more time. The Lord is always Do you hear that? Does that help? Is that medicinal to you? The Lord is always faithful. Wait a minute. In barrenness? And the fact that I, there we go, great job. (laughs) Just keep it right there because there's a number two right after. it. Church, look at me. I know you're going through stuff. You understand what I'm saying? You're going through stuff. It's Christmas time. That makes it more difficult. Listen to me. Do you understand that what got Jesus here was barrenness, was suffering, was difficulty? But he came to those people and he said, listen, you're not alone. You're not gonna endure this pain for the sake of enduring pain. You're gonna see a purpose in your pain. Why? Because I'm always what? Faithful. We serve a faithful God. If this story today doesn't show you that, then I would wanna invite you to meet my God, Jesus. (laughs) If you're a Christian and you're like, I don't really get it, then we're missing something. If you're watching online, if you're sitting here in person and you don't know a faithful God, listen to me. Jesus is faithful. To the end, he wants to say he wants to deliver you. The whole theme of Scripture is deliverance, and he has this incredible, elaborate plan that he's been reenacting from the beginning. Samuel, John the Baptist, and we have Jesus, and he's all of our kings. What does that mean? It means he's faithful. The Lord is what he's always. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say he's faithful. If you didn't do it, get out. Number 2. The Lord is always working. Say it with me. The Lord is always working. Know that he's faithful. Well, faithful to do what? He's faithful to work. Mary says, "Do you understand that he from generation to generation to ge- Here I am. It's happening. The Lord is what we're, and we have to understand, this came after 400 years of silence. Even in times where you're just like, he's not there. I'm telling you. You're telling your spouse, I don't feel it. Look, and, and I'm sure, I've been through seasons like this. Look, I'm not standing up here saying, I feel it all the time. You know what I'm saying, Scott? I'm, I'm standing before you saying, look, there are times where you feel empty, but, but it's not about the emptiness. It's about understanding that he is still working even when you feel that way. His work ethic is not dependent on your faith and your belief. If you don't believe today, he doesn't say, all right, it stops today. It's not like Christmas spirit. If your Christmas spirit dies, Santa goes away and all the elves. It doesn't work that way. The work is done, it's accomplished. It's settled in heaven. And the spirit of God doesn't deploy according to your feeling. He's working regardless. That's why it's so sad when people fall away. That's why for me as a pastor, I'm like, man, it's gut-wrenching when people walk away from the church, why? Because the church doesn't stop, it keeps going. My heart is broken for people. I, I read through these lists all the time, especially with our fancy new database. Nobody's gonna fall through the cracks now. It's like, jeez, they're gonna see 10 of us before they, what happened there? I thought I could sneak out. Nope, here we are. We got planning center, sorry. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I thought it was funny, it's okay. I cracked myself up, yo. Look, look, it doesn't stop. The work literally, <laughs> I just had this like funny thought all these people like on the gram and on facebook that like roll up in their tesla and their doors open up and they've got like stacks of cash am i the only one that sees this they must like target me because i'm like in my 30s you know what i mean they're like every 30 year old man needs to see this stuff like algorithm they pay all the money because they're unsatisfied with their lives you know what i mean and i look at it and i'm like what an idiot (laughs) dummy. (laughs) You just wasted your ad money on me, bro. Cause I'm like really good with three hots and a cot. You know what I'm saying? I got four kids. I could care less about money. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Like if I wanted money, I wouldn't have kids. (laughs) You know what I mean? Have a kid. There goes another, (laughs) you know, what? anyway, I'm just like looking through this and these guys pull up and they're like, (sighs) hustle, hustle. Everybody's like Instagram posts, you know, kids don't do it. You know, you teenagers, Yeah, man, work hard, play hard. uh. (laughs) Okay, yeah, anyway, anyway, you can come to work, come to work with me a day. We'll see how hard you want to (laughs) work. Anyway, put a sander in your hand, you'd be like, I'm still shaking, Pastor Matt. (laughs) It's been like three days, yeah. You need a callus, son, that's what you need, a callus. What they see is they see the Tesla with the doors open. You know what I'm saying? That's what, That's what I want. It's a lie. Let me explain something to you. Those people are getting paid off by somebody. It's probably not even their car. They probably rented it on Toro and spent their last dollar. <laughs> they, there's like some kind of millionaire standing off to the side being like, you better count all that when you're done with it. I will, I promise. You know, <laughs> It's not real life. Real life is faithfulness. Real life is working, actually what is working. It's investing in things that really what? Matter. And you know what? The Lord knows what matters, and that's you, and that's me. You matter to him. You might think that you don't, but you do. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is working. The last one. This could be the hinge pin for it all. And, And... I don't mean this to be ugly. I don't mean it to be uh, trite in any way, but this is the key. Number three, the Lord blesses humility. If there's one thing that our culture needs today, it's just humility. Taking a big old slice of humble pie and being okay with where you're at. Just loving where you're at. You know, both songs, Hannah and Mary, said we were okay with the humble places. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's tell that story, the version of 2022, you know what I'm saying? Maybe even 2023. I got the son of God in my belly. <laughs> what? The son of God's in there. Angel Gabriel, tell me the truth. Oh yeah, it's the son of God in there. Well, I better get a Louie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't be carrying the son of God wearing this stuff. Joseph, no, 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 no. Look, it's a good thing we were just engaged. I got to go get me a better one. You know what I'm saying? I got the son of God in here. Ain't worthy of no carpenter. That's the, that was a little extra, wasn't it? Just a little extra. I'm going to take a break, (laughs) y'all. I think I need a sabbatical after this one. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. There's the door, get out. Mm. We think, trust me. As soon as something happens in our life good, we immediately show our entitlement. We, (laughs) man, this is, I'm gonna, we complain, we complain, we complain about being in a desert place, about being in a hard place. Do you understand? Listen to me when I tell you this. You're in a, a better place because the Lord knows that if most of us had money, It would ruin you. Let me explain something to you. It's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Some of y'all better count your lucky stars. You don't have money. Why? Because it's revelatory in nature. That's why if you know someone that loves the Lord and they have substance, just sit down and learn something. Sit down and learn something because they have figured out something that most of the world hasn't figured out. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's a gift of God for you to be in humility and not have. And you think, I'm just not lucky. And God is looking at you going, sweetheart, young man, this is my grace protecting you. Why? Because we need to learn. And, and those of you that have been around a little while, you know what I'm saying is true. And I've been through the seasons of life of, of nothing and having and all that, uh, everywhere in between and listen to me when i tell you it's harder why because humility is hard if you are not if you've not figured this thing out go back to step number 1 and and here's what i want to help you with this morning the lord is probably trying to do a miracle in front of your eyes he's probably been trying for a long time to tell you about your relative that something special happened in their life but you're just too proud to notice it Mary dropped everything and went straight there and said, what do I need to know? You know, the Lord has a plan and a purpose for each one of your lives. But unfortunately, the key to get the plan out of the box is humility. So therefore, the plan just sets there. Mary didn't want a change in her life. She accepted it with humility. And she she nailed it, didn't she? She nailed it. I mean... I wanna meet her, she nailed it. Why, Hannah's song and Mary's song both give credit to the Lord taking care of the humble. Isn't that so funny, like music culture today, it's the opposite, they despise humility. How about we get a new song on our Christmas playlist, can we agree? The Lord wants to do a miracle in your life, why? because he's gonna use you to do a miracle in somebody else's. Jesus is the miracle, right? Right. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.